0: Joining us now in the Element Well Studios, it's Douglas Carswell, President and CEO of the Mississippi Center for Public Policy. Douglas, good to see you. Thanks for coming on. It's great to be here, Gerard. All right, so uh, you being from across the pond over there in the UK, you got a new prime minister. What uh, a chaotic
1: situation. (laughs) (laughs) It's Wednesday. It must be a new prime minister in Britain. (laughs) My God, It's bizarre, isn't it? We've had three prime ministers in Seven weeks, we're starting to look like a banana republic. But look on the bright side. At least under the British system, when you've got, and I'm not having a go at anyone, when you've got someone in the job who's clearly out of their depth and who's clearly not up to the role, you don't have to wait four years to get rid of them. That's true. How Some, does it work? Basically, whoever can command a majority of the votes in the House of Commons is invited to become Prime Minister. And okay. if no one can, you have an election. And you have to have an election within. Uh, maximum of five years. So that's, that's, that's the annual, rule basically.
0: Okay. So it'd be uh, an election via popular vote, then, right? Is that what you're saying? In a general
1: election, it would be yeah. a popular vote. Okay. Yeah. So there's got to be a general election in, I think, uh, 2024.
0: Okay. So, um, but in the in, in an interim, if you have a, a, a vacation situation, see, a situation yep. like you do here,
1: a vacating situation,
0: <laughs> I should say, not a vacation.
1: Well, if you've if you got someone who would be, you know, to put it kindly, would be out of their depth in a bath, okay. um, like we've had in Britain. You can replace them pretty quickly.
0: So it's sort of similar to our impeachment process?
1: or It's it's not even that. The bar's uh, not mean, as high, is it? Yeah. I mean, basically, their colleagues in the House of Commons say, it's time for you to go, and they go. Wow. And uh, is that what happened with, with uh, Boris? Y- yep. I mean, um, Boris came unstuck because... Um, Rather bizarrely, someone called Sir Graham Brady, the chairman yeah. of a committee called the 1922 committee, went <laughs> and had a cup of tea with him and said, now look, Boris, your time's up. And that, that was it. <laughs> that's that's our equivalent of impeachment. Can we get somebody up in the
0: U.S. Senate to go have a conversation <laughs> with Joe Biden and make that happen as well? I mean,
1: that is crazy. And that's all but by design, right? Uh, it's more actually by accident. I mean, the British system evolved um, to try and address the issue that the founding fathers tried to address. You know, how do you stop power being concentrated? Yep. We came up with an unwritten, slightly chaotic system, but <laughs> it kind of works. But I have to say, the American founding fathers, I think, came up with an even better system okay. by design.
0: Well, they and they had the benefit of seeing what was problematic in Britain. Yeah. And, yep. and they took that to heart and said,
1: yeah, we don't want to repeat that. And also, to be boringly historic about it, You guys had your revolution 100 years after our revolution, in which time people had rediscovered the architecture of the Roman Republic, which is why you built a Senate and a capital on the banks of the Potomac. When the British had their revolution, or the English, I should say, had their revolution, we didn't know anything about that. So we had to start from where we were. Yeah, but you had the Magna Carta,
0: to, and I don't know if it provided for that structure or it, not. But
1: it, it did. I mean, a lot of the Magna Carta, actually bits of it found its way into the American system. Well, that's what I thought. And, and, yeah. and the American Bill of Rights is, in some cases, an almost exact copy of the British Bill of Rights after the Glorious Revolution of
0: 1688. Right. I mean, so it's folks had figured that out as a as a preferred uh, system of government a long time ago. Yeah.
1: I have to say that I think actually the American system, I know it's unpopular to say this, I think the American system works incredibly well. I still think it's the best system of government in the world. Yep, you get people who you don't want to be in office in office and you've got to wait till you can get rid of them. But the American system, for all its flaws, I think is the best system. Yeah, I,
0: I actually agree with you. And I think to some extent we tend to uh, take it for granted because yeah. we've always, uh, most of us have been here and lived under it and just expect it. What
1: do they know of America who only America know? I know, exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it reminds me of something we've talked about on the program is a few days ago, Nancy Pelosi was uh, interviewed on, on, uh, I can't remember if it was CNN or one of the big networks. But anyhow, uh, the question came up about, you know, um, Madam Speaker, the polls reflect that Americans are more concerned about inflation and crime and uh, the cost of living and their living standards. That by far, that, that bubbles up to the top in all the polls. And she basically dismissed it, and she launches into this, this narrative where she's comparing inflation in this country to all the other countries. We're better off than the, all the other countries. We're better than like, Zimbabwe. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> like 3,000 percent or something, right? So, um, you know, and I, I've said on the program, uh, kind of to your point, Douglas, that— We shouldn't be comparing
1: ourselves to any
0: other nation. That shouldn't be the
1: standard. Totally. totally, totally. In fact, much of the world outside America looks at America as the benchmark, the gold standard. So for America to compare itself to the rest of the world, you're you're doing America down. But on a serious note, people might think, you know, what has the chaos in Britain got to do with the United States? Well, I would say what's happening in Britain is a textbook example of how not to run a country. (laughs) These guys have banned fracking they have raised taxes. They paid people to sit at home during lockdowns for two years. They've basically done everything that the progressives in California would love to inflict upon the whole of America. And Britain is going to be a cold and a poor place this winter as a direct consequence. So look at Britain, not to gloat, but as an example of how not to run America. Don't make those mistakes the Brits have made. It's a great point. It it is incredibly instructive, but yet we have people in this country
0: and... and High levels of government that seem to always look to Europe as the yeah. standard, and Scandinavia, and, and want to implement those systems here. I don't think they ever quite
1: got over the fact that George III and his cronies don't run don't run America. They almost <laughs> seem to want to copy Europe. I, I think it's the other way around. Actually, America should be the inspiration for Europe. Sure. If you want to create prosperity and opportunity, you can't do any better than the United States. And just take the example of of energy. You know, the laws of physics are the same in Europe and America. Um the ability to extract heat from burning hydrocarbons is the same anywhere on the planet. That's right. And yet in Europe they're paying five or six times more than people in America. Because they've done what Joe Biden would like to do. They've banned fracking, they've banned oil extraction, mm. they've they've gone big on renewables. The problem with going big on renewables is that you can't sunshine might be free, but it's not free to store and distribute. Right. So, you know, there are real problems in Europe. So please don't emulate Europe when it comes to well taxes energy policy pretty much everything
0: yeah it's that, such a great point and uh, i totally agree but they're bracing for what could be a really serious problem with respect to the winter coming up and it, cost of the heat
1: it's it's no joke there are plans in germany right now to get old people into communal rooms so they can heat the communal rooms so that old people don't freeze to death during the winter i mean this is in 2022 this is supposed to be progressive Unbelievable. Um, in pursuit of this eco madness europe has shot itself catastrophically in the foot and it's played straight into the hands of tyrants you know germany and much of europe is now dependent to keep its citizens alive this winter on the whim of vladimir putin what what folly has europe um, allowed um, to come to pass. Such
0: a great point. And yet we still have the American left that still beats the drum of of climate change and and just implementing all sorts well, of radical policy. You know, if you're, if, you're,
1: if you're freezing in Europe this winter, you're going to want a bit of global warming because it's the thing <laughs> that might keep you alive.
0: I mean, it is crazy. You know, you've seen all kinds of, I guess, directives, if if not just mandates with respect to thermostat
1: mm-hmm. settings and yeah. so forth
0: yeah. as well. <laughs>
1: One of the great hallmarks of civilization is that despite variations in the seasons and despite, you know, um, dry periods and wet periods, basically people live in a world where they're insulated from the shock of of that. What what Europe's managed to do is go back to a pre-modern world where if you get a bad harvest or a cold winter, people will freeze. I mean, it's not modern. It's a return to a sort of pre-modern um, way of life it's, it's not attractive
0: yeah so it's a great point and I'll share this with you and ask you to comment uh, on it Douglas is that uh, I refer to it as this concept of incumbency and what I mean by that is that when you don't have to worry about how are you going to get from point A to point B uh, what you're going to have at your next meal whether or not you can afford it um, and all the other creature comforts that uh, prosperity has produced you tend to become a little bit more active as an activist, right? And you you become more virtuous, seems like. Maybe even
1: indulgent.
0: Yeah, okay. I would agree Mm. with that. But when Mm. you're having to worry about how in the world am am I going to stay alive because it's below zero and I don't have any heat, Then you start throwing that stuff out the window yeah, it, it's,
1: it's almost as if in the West people have become so pampered and so materially well-off, they've forgotten the basic facts of life. Totally agree. We've forgotten, for example, that China is not becoming Western. China is an enemy that's playing a long game, and we've taken our eye off the ball. We've forgotten the fact that there are countries around the world that wish us harm, and we, we've, we've, we've ignored the basic facts of geopolitics. I completely agree, and it, it's influencing policy. Yeah.
0: And it's, yeah, it's great for me to, it's John Kerry jetting around and enjoying all his mansions, but yet he's uh, s- admonishing and scolding all of us because we t- don't take the subway every day or something <laughs> like that. I mean, it's just nuts. Uh, we got a break right here. You can hang around. We got I'd love to. So we got Thank to talk you. about uh, what's coming up in the next uh, legislative session. Love to. See where we're having. Uh, on the table there, we've got Douglas Carswell, president and CEO of the Mississippi Center for Public Policy in the Alamo Bowie. Uh, we got Douglas Carswell, president and CEO of the Mississippi Center for Public Policy. All right. So besides all the crazy stuff happening across the pond, and before we get we get off of that subject, uh, Douglas, so Liz Truss comes in and offers what looks like to be fairly sensible conservative policy, but maybe it was with tax cuts and the like. Uh, but maybe it was too much uh, at the same time, right, at one time, Does, and it r- really wasn't countered with any significant uh, spending cuts.
1: There's a lot of misunderstanding about the budget. A lot okay. of people say, look, the unfunded tax cuts were the cause of the problem. The that, that actually ignores the fact that she was proposing to spend an additional 200 billion pounds. Okay. That's more than, well more than $200 billion on um, right. open-ended um commitment to fund people's energy bills for the next two years. Oh my That's what the markets um, didn't like. And that came on top of three hundred and fifty billion that the government mm-hmm. had borrowed to pay people to sit at home right. during lockdown for So what the bond market then did is to say, well how are you going to pay for it? And they were saying not not just how are you going to pay for these minor tax cuts, but how are you going to pay for this additional two hundred billion spending. Mm-hmm. That's what got her into trouble. Okay.
0: Because I, I remember when it was fir- when she first announced her plans and I, and I sifted through those
1: they all look like sensible actions to me, honestly. They, they all were, but they were overshadowed by the commitment I to spend it. an additional $200 billion, and yeah. that, that – you know, the media didn't pick up on that. They went for the fact she was going to reduce the top-line rate of taxation. But right. she was offering to um, reduce um, tax take by $6 billion by reducing the top rate of tax from 45 pence to 40 pence. Okay. Um, but it was the unfunded energy. And significantly, the markets have recovered since the new chancellor came in and said, you know what, we're only going to fund um, the energy bailout for six months, and it's going to be much more targeted.
0: I got you. And there, as I recall, Douglas, there was also maybe some... Uh, pausing a reversal of plans to increase—if I got this right—the the, our equivalent of Social Security, Medicare, the national insurance stuff. There was some some action there.
1: Yeah, she was going to basically um, stop the commitment to increase corporation tax from roughly twenty percent, uh, what nineteen percent to twenty-five percent. Okay, and you know, if you say to businesses, do you know what we're gonna, we're going to tax twenty-five percent of right. your profits, um, that has a big impact on business confidence. Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, um, anyhow, what a
0: just a weird, bizarre, as you said, situation scenario that played out in a very compressed period of time. Mm -hmm. And then, I guess it wasn't too long ago, sometime last week, we thought
1: Boris was in there. He was going. I know it looked like he was coming back, didn't it? Yeah. Um, But you know, I I think given how bad a position the UK is in, um, you know, Sunak is probably the least worst option. Okay.
0: So in general. You're okay with it? You're happy with it, you think?
1: I would be much more happy if we had Margaret Thatcher rather than a pale imitation <laughs> of her running the country. <laughs> we got one of those out there? <laughs> this is Britain's problem. Yeah. We've got some uh, a dearth of good quality leadership. And it's it's a problem throughout the West. There's a lack of seriousness and gravitas amongst career politicians. Yeah. And you know, how do we tackle this? Yeah. All
0: right, so we got the Mississippi legislature. Yep. Going to be convening once again, as they always do, in January just a couple of months and uh, change out.
1: What's uh, What are you guys focused on, Center for Public Policy this year? We're gonna be publishing a conservative platform for Mississippi in November. I meet lots and lots of elected officials in Mississippi who claim to be conservative, and so on behalf of actual conservative voters in Mississippi, we're gonna publish a platform listing the things that we think a genuine conservative ought to agree to one of those things is to use some of the massive budget surplus we've got in mississippi to give additional tax breaks back to mississippians we we saw and i was delighted to see following our campaign a, a big reduction in the personal income tax right i think we need to cut corporation tax now when i say corporation tax often people think hey He wants to give big businesses a bailout. Most of the people in Mississippi, most of the organizations in Mississippi that pay corporation tax are small businesses. Giving them a tax break, using some of that surplus to give businesses a tax break will help create jobs. It will help those businesses. It will help them at a time of economic uncertainty. And I think that's something we could do. Hmm. Here's an idea that we're going to include. And I want to just see what you think about this. How about giving ordinary voters in Mississippi the power to recall a mayor? If the mayor proves to be not up to the job, if and I don't have anyone in mind in particular, but if you have a mayor who perhaps is good at winning elections when people are voting according to their traditional affiliation, but turns out not to actually be that effective at doing the job, why not allow ordinary people to have an effective referendum on their competence? Why not make the performance of a mayor um, an electable issue through a recall mechanism? So that's something we'll be looking
0: at. Many states do. Uh, yeah. uh, would you think uh, about that as something to be implemented at all levels of elected
1: officials in government, or just the municipal level? You, I th- use the mayors. A... I, I think we should start at a municipal level. Why? Tactically, I think it would be easier to get through. there an army of elected officials who wouldn't like the idea. I agree. Let's, but I think there's an acute need at the level of um, municipal government, simply because so often you end up with some pretty third-rate people running a municipality simply because they're very good at monopolizing the local party machinery and in a one-party system um, if you monopolize the local party machinery and you're the mayoral candidate you you get in it's a slam dunk it therefore strikes me as really important that you give the voters the opportunity to say look you know I might normally vote Democrat I might normally vote Republican and but hang on the person we've actually got based on their actual performance isn't up to the role can we recall them and I, I think a very powerful argument can be made to recall mayors.
0: Sure, Certainly seems like there's more cronyism that occurs mm. uh, in campaigns and in politics at the local level mm. uh, than perhaps does just because you're dealing with
1: fewer people, I, I generally think, speaking. I think recall works much better at a local level, too, because there's an immediacy. People kind of see the local representative, and so they can make a judgment. Forget party for a second. Forget blue versus red and all that other nonsense. How does this person who I know, I might have gone to school with them, I might have friends of theirs, I might see them, I might have met them, I certainly hear about them a lot. How does this person that I know actually perform in the job? So I think recall, an argument can be made that recall would work at a municipal level in a way that it might not be so effective at a state level. That that makes sense.
0: Well, all right, so you're working with members of the legislature on uh, getting something done along those lines?
1: We're working on it now. We're we're trying to get consensus. We need to get agreement on on how a recall mechanism would work. Okay. Healthcare is a really big issue in Mississippi. You know, you don't need me to tell you that UMMC, uh, Blue Cross, uh, there are loggerheads. I think one of the problems we need to address in Mississippi is how we got ourselves into a situation where you've got these monopoly providers, and that is because we've got these incredibly restrictive practices known as certificate of need laws. Yep. We need to get rid of them. We need to allow nurse practitioners to work with greater autonomy from doctors. We need to allow pharmacists to prescribe medicine. If we did these kind of sensible, common sense reforms we would ensure that more Mississippians could get affordable health care and weren't at the mercy of a system that fundamentally just treats them as a product rather than as a customer.
0: Yeah, I actually agree with that as as well. So what about the citizen-initiated ballot measure process that uh, has now essentially been nullified by that, the state
1: Supreme Court and that, didn't get any traction last year? That's also on our to-do list. I think there was a very good proposal that died in the Senate, and it basically said, look, people should have the right of initiative. They should have the right to change the law. But you shouldn't try to use initiative to constantly amend the constitution. So there should be a much higher threshold for amending the constitution. So you need a new right of initiative that is has a trigger mechanism that actually works. The Supreme Court found that the existing one doesn't work. Okay, but that it 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 makes it easier to vote to change the law by popular vote. Yeah. but harder to change con- the constitution. Don't let's not try and. Constantly squeeze our debates into constitutional questions. Let's let's make them legislative questions. Yeah,
0: I tend to agree as well. So um, I'm going to uh, pass this on. Let's see. Uh, not just mayors, all Mississippi elected officials is uh, should be uh, uh, subject to recall. There was something else. Uh, somebody said I'm I'm looking for it. I can't find it. But anyhow, basically the the uh, comment was that this really wouldn't affect mayors in making controversial decisions that this really wouldn't influence them i, I don't know I, I think they're right this is from a former mayor says serve five terms i disagree with the mayor that the mayor would then be afraid to make a controversial decision
1: i don't know that that's necessarily the, the purpose I, I, don't though. That, I, I don't think that's the case i think mayors who make controversial decisions and sometimes are willing to take decisions that are short-term unpopular would actually you know Gain credibility by yeah. doing that I, I think what it would guard against is the sheer Monumental incompetence of some of our municipal yeah, mayors
0: I think that's the more important aspect of I mean, it Some then. of our mayors
1: couldn't run a bath because there's no Water for them to run a bath That is, a, <laughs> that is an issue that needs to be addressed Oh gosh, here we go
0: <laughs> Yeah, I hear you I think it is more a matter of this person's Just incompetent and not really Adequately serving the people <laughs> than it is a, a matter of just trying to force a specific look decision at, on an issue. Look at this.
1: Way. Everyone listening to this has a job, and if they don't perform at their job, you, me, everyone listening can be fired. So why are politicians immune to that? Yeah, I, I hear you.
0: I, I agree with that as well. So trying it at the local level I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, Douglas, thanks for
1: coming on, man. Thank you so much. It. I really enjoyed D- that.
0: Douglas Carswell, President and CEO of the Mississippi Center for Public Policy, has been our guest on Middays in the Element Well Studio.